Hey there, sweet ones. Before we jump in on today's mini Monday episode of All That to Say, I just wanted to make sure that you know about um, my new offering that it is now pay what you can for both of my signature e-courses, Marriage Methods and Heartbreak to Hope. Both of those are three months and they are jam-packed with my every best practice, idea, thought, reflection, question, teaching, tangible tool. If you are either in a difficult marriage and you're trying to stay in a better way, that would be marriage methods. Or if you are separated or divorced, heartbreak to hope would be for you. And yes, it is now pay what you can. You can check the show notes for the links and I would be honored to walk alongside you to bring you to a place of deeper healing and hope. Hey, sweet ones. Welcome to a bonus episode of the All That To Say podcast with me, your host, Elizabeth. On this podcast, we talk about the hard stuff. A, because I've been through a lot of it. B, because most of you have been too. And C, because I believe that we have a creative God who has made us creative. Today, I'm going to read an excerpt from my 2009 book, He Is Just That Into You, Stories of a Faithful God Who Pursues engages, and has no fear of commitment. The writing life. I remember my sixth grade teacher's advice like it was yesterday. Keep writing. She was one of those teachers. The kind that doesn't blend in with all the others. The kind that stands out as the one who saw something in me. I had just written my version of a Sweet Dreams novella. I was obsessed with Sweet Dreams romances. It was the early 80s. I hadn't discovered fashion or boys, really. Well, except for Mark Miller, but he had discovered my best friend, so I had some time on my hands. I couldn't get enough of those Sweet Dreams paperbacks that were all about the plight of the high school girl finding love, almost losing love through some precarious, could only happen in a teeny bopper piece of fiction, and then triumphing with love and the gymnastics medal or class presidency or some other also coveted prize at the end. And so I wrote one of my own. Okay, clarification. I wrote one chapter, something about going shopping at the mall and wondering if anyone would notice that my main character hadn't shaved her legs. It was, as best as I recall, a simply mortifying piece of work, but I wrote it and I gave it to Mrs. Markowitz and she told me it was good and to keep writing. Now that wasn't the first piece I'd ever written. I had started with poems. My first one pecked out on my grandma's typewriter in her den when I was 11. Now that was a masterpiece. It centered on seagulls circling above me as if doing their own little dance, because we're told from day one to write what we know, and what 11-year-old girl from Illinois doesn't know her share of seagull tales? But wow, I remember the opening line of my first piece of work from over, well, many, many years ago, shows you how profound stumbling upon your calling can be. I moved on from that day, becoming the vice president of my local Archie and Jughead comic book chapter, which consisted of just me and winning a writing contest where I described in detail my pure devotion to Betty and Veronica and the fan club that I led, which, by the way, was all lies, but that was before my morality kicked in. And my writing life blossomed from there. The occasional published poem in no one had ever heard of publications, 
including two bizarre ones I wrote on a bet slash dare for my junior college newspaper to prove that the weirder the work, the better the odds of publication. I scored with my ode to spaghetti, those art snobs. Until one day, well after college and well into the baby-making years, I landed my first magazine article. In a no-one-had-ever-heard-of publication, but beggars were not going to be choosers on that day, I ran outside with the magazine in hand, a baby on my hip, a byline waving in the wind. I had been published. That was a glorious day. That was the first in many small moments when I whispered to myself, I'm a writer. But I'd say it to myself like, but don't let anyone hear you say that. I wasn't ashamed of the calling, so why the hiding? Because from what I can tell, I didn't trust it. Being a writer isn't like, for instance, being a waitress or an accountant or a librarian. You can't just apply at a place and get a job with a salary, benefits, and sometimes a cute uniform. No, you pretty much have to convince life that you are a writer. You have to fight against convention and art snobs and harsh critics and the inner voices that are typically filled with doubt and fear. I had barely convinced myself that writing was going to not just be how I figured out my life, but how I wanted to make my life, to make a living before I started getting mail saying that I didn't really know what I was talking about in the form of rejection letters, that I must have misunderstood the call. I used to love getting mail before that. When I wrote my first book and began the process of finding a publisher, which let me just say might be one of Dante's seven rings of hell, I had no idea what I was up against. It was politics and who you know and getting a foot in the door or a hand or a kneecap. It took me, and I'm not kidding, six weeks to write my first book, but it took me 13 long, torturous, testing my fortitude and commitment to my supposed blankety-blank calling and who said I wanted to be a writer anyway, months, and 52, yes, girls, 52 rejection letters before a publisher came knocking on my door, but a publisher did come, and the day I received my box of books in the mail, was one of the best days of my life. And not just because it sort of redeemed the postal system for me, although that was huge. I have gone on to write other books, to write a monthly column for years. And now this book, which I must've found a publisher for because you know, someone I don't know personally is reading it. I had asked a writing friend of mine for advice. This gal is several years ahead of me in the writing life with five or six books under her belt. She's funny and humble and is always gracious and generous with her help and wisdom. I had quit my job and sat down to write whatever came to mind, only to find an entire book on the tip of my tongue, and I asked if she'd read it. The long and short of it was this. She asked me if I considered myself a writer, and when I said something like, I haven't really thought about it lately, what with the job and the kids and such, she said, well, you just quit your job, right? And your kids are both in school full-time? and you've published some books, and you have one waiting in the wings, and you just wrote another one in under a month, honey, I think you're a writer. But let me share with you maybe the best thing anyone has ever said to me about my writing. I had picked up again Anne Lamott's Bird by Bird, her wonderful guide on how to be a writer. I had read this the first time a few years ago, and this is what I wrote up at the top of one of the pages. January 2004. I could read this writing every day. When I get to heaven, I'm going to write like her. And then I followed it with pause, 
God speaking to me. When you get to heaven, you're going to write like you, only better. Sweet, sweet pursuit. So to Mrs. Markowitz and Carrie Kent and all my other encouragers along the way, the staff of Archie and Jughead, the editors at the Joliet Junior College newspaper circa 1989, the publisher of Joyful Woman magazine, my grandpa Klein, who made copies of my first book at Kinko's to hand out to his Florida condo friends, to the great people of Kriegel, to my friends who read my work and tell me they love it, and I'm sure I'm leaving a ton out, and to God, thank you and thank you. Thank you for agreeing with the quiet call I felt all those years ago sitting at my grandma's typewriter and for pushing me on to more and better words. So sweet ones, all that to say, if you feel you have a call to writing, to anything else, pursue it. Pursue it. If you have breath, you're not done and there's something for you to do. And sweet one, you are the unconditionally beloved daughter of the Father God, and he is so delighted with you and with the gifts that he's given you. You came into this world and you start each day already completely loved with no other loves to beg for and nothing to prove to anyone, even with your gifts. Till next time, so, so much love.